following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Well, good morning, church. So I'm honored to be given the opportunity this morning to share with you all uh, the word today to be a part of this sermon series, Testify. Uh, Has anyone been encouraged by the series thus far? I know I have. It's been amazing. Yeah. Uh, Just to get firsthand accounts of how God has worked, continues to work uh, in our church family and uh, as we spread out in the city to share the gospel. Uh, All these brothers that have preached, I look up to in the Lord. Uh, I've gotten so much out of what they've given and what they've brought and what the Lord's doing in their lives. It's been a huge encouragement to me. So thank you, brothers, that have shared uh, and have yet to share. Um, Just so thankful for you all. I'm thankful to be part of this church fellowship. And, you know, as, as Pastor Vince said, the first time we met in this church building, he said, like, we're not just, the church isn't just a building, right? It's, it, it, we're a family. We're a real family, and we're adopted by God, bought with the blood of Christ, sealed with his spirit, and we're sent out into the world with God's power to love God, love people, and make disciples. That's why we're here. So it's not just a building. We are thankful, so thankful for the facility and for Pastor Jordan getting on that roof. Um, but this is who we are. We're, we're a family, right? And we're, we're called to go out into this world and to share what Christ has done and What an amazing opportunity. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's good to remember that this is is Christ's church. This is Christ's church, which means the gates of hell cannot stop it. It cannot come against it. And every week, by God's grace, we we rattle those gates. And and I hope that this morning we, we make our enemy tremble even more as we get into the word of who God is and that he is for us. And... Something I've been thinking about this week is that there's one hero in this story, and his name is Jesus, all right, amen? One hero, there's one victor, there's one champion, there's one Lord, there's one risen king, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? And I'm so thankful to be on his team, because that means his victory is my victory, all right? And so we can walk in that um, this morning. So although uh, I know I'm weak within myself to, to come before you all and uh, nervous, a little anxious. Uh, I'm super excited, thankful for Pastor Vince for the opportunity. Uh, I know that even in our weakness, that's where the Lord uh, shines. That's where his strength is. So I'm so thankful for that. And I hope you can latch onto that this morning. Uh, and I trust that God's spirit is gonna work in our hearts this morning. So uh, if you all wanna turn to Psalm 23, that's where we're gonna be this morning. Really excited to be here with you all. So if you have a Bible, a Bible app, or, you know, even a coffee cup from Home Goods or Hobby Lobby, I'm sure you can find Psalm 23. It's everywhere, right? I mean, it's, uh, I've seen it, coffee cups, posters, Bibles. So if you have either one of those, I'm sure that will work. Uh, it's very well known, and for a good reason. Uh, although that's not the reason I chose this set of verses uh, this morning. But with this opportunity to preach in this series, testify, I, I don't think there's a, any other text that I think has much, as much weight and importance for me, uh, and that the Lord has used as far as my testimony is concerned. So there, there wouldn't be enough time to go through every single truth in this psalm, but there's a few things that I found in the psalm I think are beautiful that I really just want to lay before you, and, I, and I'm still discovering a lot of the things that are in the psalm. We could do a whole series on this, as with all the other scriptures, but uh, I'm excited that by God's grace we'll be able to see some things that are going to help us. So last time I preached, it was to a camera, right? 
Uh, and it was when the first wave of COVID hit last year, and everything was changing. Uh, though soon after I preached that last sermon last March, uh, with inside of me a bigger, I guess you could say, storm was, was raging within me. After I preached, I fell into another depression uh, cycle that I thought I had, I had moved on uh, in my life. And it was because of those feelings that I believed in the condemnation about myself that Satan told me. Uh, and so I had given up on what the Lord was calling me to in my life. It's one of the things Pastor Vince mentioned, that the, the enemy has tried a lot to keep me out of this spot. Um, and I'm not in this spot because I feel the most qualified. I'm definitely not. I'm not in this spot because I'm the most articulate. I'm not in this spot because I have the best personality at all. But I feel a call in my life to share the gospel and to preach and to teach. And it was after that sermon last year, and with everything with the COVID stuff happening, I know everybody was affected by that differently. For me, I went inward, and I had believed in the condemnation of the enemy. And and so I had given up on what the Lord was calling me to do in my life. And I, I spun down and down and down. And and I've went on several cycles like that in my life where, where the depression or the anxiety gets so great that I just kind of crumble in, and that's what happened. But I'm sharing the story because it was in the midst of that turmoil last year that God did an amazing work with me and in me, and that's why I want to share with you to kind of open this up. This is a part of my testimony. I'm not going to really do a chronological testimony thing. We'd be here all day, but I want to point out some stories. So this is the first story. Like I said, by early summer, I was miserable. I felt trapped. I didn't feel God's spirit working in me. I was beginning to pursue otherworldly things. And at one point, I was just crying out to God for a breakthrough. Uh, now, also up to that point, probably, probably a year or more up to that point, uh, I had these, ever, like these just ever-growing skin spots on my hands. And one would pop up, another would pop up, another would pop up. And before you know it, I had six or seven on my hands. They were also on my feet as well. And at this point, those skin spots on my hands were getting to a point where I had to cover them up all the time at work. They were very painful. I didn't know what it was. I got medicine from the store, didn't know what was going on. Uh, they continued to get worse. Yeah, I had to wear gloves and bandages, all that stuff. Uh, I tried several medications. None of them worked. Uh, but one morning in June, this the part I'm telling you matters for the story. That's why I was like, why is he talking about skin stuff? Okay. Uh, but one morning in June, I went out uh, to go be with the Lord and just seek him and just to worship him. I, d- I didn't really know what else to do. Uh, sometimes that's the best thing to do is the Lord, we're led to a place of, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to worship. Um, not, that hasn't happened a lot in my life as much as I would like it happened here. I just felt impressed just to worship because I wanted to feel his presence again i gotten so caught up, I think, preparing for that sermon last year. I got so caught up in theological studies and knowledge about God and had a lot of books and a lot of that stuff. But for some reason, I started to drift away from the Spirit. Uh, and if you were to press me, I might have even said that, I, you know, I didn't even know if the Spirit even worked supernaturally anymore. It was at that place of God just became this, this thing I read about. And, but I, there was no feeling because uh, I was sort of afraid of feelings, because my feelings had led me down this dark path, and, I'm, uh, and, and so I was like, well, you know, it's not as much feeling. So, w- w- you know, without even realizing it, I just sort of drifted that way, and I felt kind of lost. Um, and 
it's, he started to become, I hate to say, uh, a per, something to study than a person to love and to walk with. And that's just, how, that's just where I found myself. I didn't know what else to do. I, I, he just felt out of reach. I don't know if you ever felt that way. Like, you see people and you see they, they're walking so close with the Lord. Like, what do they have that I don't have? Like, I know the truth of God, but I don't, I don't feel him. Like, I don't, I don't, I want to walk with him. That's where I was. Um, but God, by his spirit that morning, met me in the midst of crying and, and worshiping. Uh, I don't know how to say it. The glory of God began to invade my heart and my mind again. Uh, and what I learned from that was there's power in worship and desperation, right? The Lord responds and he comes close to you. Because that's what happened to me. So basically I just went by myself and I just sought the Lord and I put on some worship music and just, I don't know what else to do. I want to seek your face. I need you to help me. I really, really needed him. And he did touch me that morning and he responded to my desperation. Uh, And it was an amazing experience. I I don't really know how else to describe it, but his word came alive to me. I, I felt that the Lord was for me and that he loved me, and that he cared for me, and that meant the world to me, because I felt like he didn't. I felt like I didn't feel that, and I didn't know that, but he reminded me from even just some of the worship songs that, that, that were on, that he's for me still, right? And uh, now after a few days went by, after that, uh, I guess you could say experience with God, I, I noticed something. And what I noticed was all the skin spots on my hands and my feet were almost gone, okay? I had struggled with the skin spots for over a year and a half, but when I met, when the Lord did this work in me, he healed them. I still have the medicine in my cabinet, all right? And so what I'm trying to say is Christ is a healer and he is a deliverer, all right? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe it? Because there's some, there's some things in our lives that we hold on to and we don't lay before him. We hold on. We want to just lay those before him. And sometimes we don't because we don't really know what that looks like or we don't really think he's going to come through. But I promise you, if you will lay those things before him, he is a healer and he is a deliverer. Whatever is going on in your life, lay that before the king. And that's what I did. And all those spots were healed. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it because I never experienced that kind of healing before. Like I said, uh, I, I think the Lord did that because I was in a spot of, does the Lord even do that anymore? You have people saying that now. Does, he, does the Lord even heal like he used to? Da, 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 all that stuff. The Lord healed me, so I don't know what to say about that. I still believe the Lord heals and he does miracles. Sorry if y'all couldn't hear any of that. God is good still, though. Amen. Uh, so this Psalm 23, I recited from memory when I was young. The Lord used that to, to save me as part of my confession when I believed in Jesus. And God has used this Psalm to minister to my specific needs. And I, I do pray that it encourages you here this morning. And even we talked about, I shared that story. Well, some of you might have heard it. Uh, sorry about that. How long was that mic out? How long? Okay, gotcha. Um, not that I'm going to go redo it again. I don't know why I asked that, but I guess just for my emotional state, right, of where I am. Uh, so even, even last year, all right, Pastor Vince had indirectly preached Psalm 23. I don't know if anybody remembers this. This is when we were in the book of Mark. Uh, and that sermon in particular uh, 
led me yet again. I was in one of my cycles uh, of doubt, and, but God used that sermon to lead me back to repentance and confession yet again. And uh, it hit me and once again reminded me that this psalm has been with me for so many years. So that was like a flash of, oh my goodness, this guy's going to Psalm 23, wasn't expecting that. Uh, and he didn't know that all throughout that week, God had been showing me Psalm 23, or there'd be on my, you know, I'd go into my car and hit shuffle, boom, Psalm 23. Wife would send me encouragement, Psalm 23. Then I come in here, and this brother's in the book of Mark, and he goes to Psalm 23. I'm like, why is he in Psalm 23? Uh, get out of there, man. I, you know, I don't know if I want this right now, you know? Isn't that how it is sometimes, though? Let's be honest. Sometimes the words coming at us, and we're like, ooh, that kind of hurts a little bit. We know we need it. But glory to God, God breaks down those walls, all right? And I'm so excited that the Lord does that still. Um, and so even at that point, so that, also that sermon is called uh, The Inside of All Insights. Definitely go check it out uh, if you don't remember it. Super good. I highly recommend it. One of my favorite quotes that you said, Pastor, is uh, this is the Lord we are dealing with. I just thought that was, when you, I just thought that was so good. I don't know. That was so good. This <laughs> Because isn't that true? This is the Lord we're dealing with here. The Lord. Like, why, why are we afraid? Why do we doubt? Why do we worry? Why are we prone to anxiety? This is the Lord we're dealing with. And we're his. <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, but that was a great exposition on Psalm 23, so thank you for that, Pastor. Um, but this psalm was also, on my birthday this year, this psalm was the verse of the day, so that was a fun little surprise for me. Uh, so just little things like that. I don't know if that means anything to you. To me, it does, because I believe the Lord works through little things, and that's a big deal. So, uh, so we're going to take a deep dive into these truths this morning of Psalm 23, uh, that the Lord is a shepherd. He's a savior to all who call on him. So uh, with that, let's pray. Let's ask God to open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to the goodness and mercy of Jesus, and that his spirit would touch us this morning in a real way. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the great name of Jesus. We're so thankful for your love, for your patience, and that you'll, you, you never let us just be, God, but you always are caring for us and leading us. We thank you so much for the truth, the truth of the gospel, Lord, that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You'll give us a new heart and a new mind to trust you and to seek your face, and you'll give us peace that passes all understanding. God, will you just please help me? Would you open up just my mind and my heart and that I would just preach your word? I don't need to feel like I need to be creative, God, but please just help me to stick to the basic, simple truths that you've laid out for us, that we can be reminded yet again to walk in what you've called us to do. We thank you that you're a good shepherd. We thank you that you're never gonna leave us, that you're never gonna forsake us, and that you're for us. I pray that you would convince us of that even more this morning as we go about the rest of our day and the rest of this week and the rest of our lives, Lord. We give this time to you. May Jesus Christ be glorified. It's in the name of your son we pray, amen. So Jesus said in Matthew, he said, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray. And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. Y'all heard that verse before? 
There's also another one in Luke. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them his parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now you might hear those verses and you might say, well, let me think logically here. Why would he leave all those sheep just to find one when he has 99 left? It's a great story, but he has plenty of other sheep to work with. Why is he going out and spending all, he's leaving the, he's going out on all these you know, leaving the open country, he's going all these things, putting it on his shoulders. Seems like a lot of work. So you might say that. What I would say is because every single one of those sheep has been purchased and cared for and loved for by the shepherd, and they are his, as they were his own life. And that's how God is for us. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Every one of us that have bowed the knee to Christ, we've been purchased, we've been cared for and loved, and we're his. And Christ is going to take care of us, always. So the Lord is my shepherd. Before we dive into Psalm 23, I want to say a few things that, about this book, about the Bible. All right, some things I've learned. That the Bible is about God. It's not first and foremost about us, and that's important to know because we're so prone to reading ourselves and every little thing, we miss what the point is, because we think we're the point. God's the point, all right? But this great and glorious God is inviting you in to this work, to his work, inviting you into true joy and life in Christ. So even though it's his story, this is his book, this is his story, it's about him, his story can become your story, because he's inviting you into that, inviting you into life and peace and purpose that's only found in him. That's why it's important to know that the Bible is about God. It's not really about us, though we're in there, all right? And that's the same with our testimony and anything we share from personal experience. If we have that foundation, that the foundation is the testimony of God, it's going to be more effective because his testimony is of infinitely greater value than mine or anybody else's. 1 John 5, 9 through 12, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God is born concerning his son. So what is that testimony? This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So we see everything flows from this. Everything flows from Jesus. The whole Bible points to Jesus. Everything. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the gospel, the power of God that has come to rescue, redeem, and restore sinners through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that God would abide in us and us in him. This is a relational 
This isn't just what I mentioned earlier. There's just a text that we read. This is real life, that everything flows from Jesus. The Old Testament declares he's coming. The Gospels proclaim he has arrived. The epistles explain him. Revelation says he's coming back again. It's all about him. Jesus Christ, God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. This is what we're a part of, church. This is what we're a part of, that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, bearing our sin, rose three days later. This is what we're called to, life in Christ, adopted as God's children, filled with his spirit, which means a new life, a new beginning, a new creation. Everything's new for those who are in Christ, because that's the only thing that matters is that we know the Lord, all right? So if you have your spot in Psalm 23, we're going to go ahead and dive into here. Or like I said, if you have that coffee cup, I'm sure you could find it on there too. I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. First thing I mentioned to you was that I was baptized uh, when I was six and a half years old, and I believe that's when the Lord saved me. One thing I do want to make clear is that I am not saved because I was merely baptized and recited Psalm 23. Okay, I need to make that clear. I don't hold on to that moment as evidence of my salvation. You say, well, well why? That seem, it seems like a pretty, pretty fair deal. Well, I would say you aren't, you aren't saved by good works. You're not saved by church attendance. You're not saved by tithes, offerings, sacrifices, repeated prayers. That's not what you're saved by. You are saved by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to believe on Christ by faith, and to be saved from death and sin, forgiven, cleansed and born again in Christ. Our faith really is only the instrument that God uses. Christ has done the finished work. Faith is just the instrument. If I were to take this guitar right here, and I wrote a beautiful piece, I can't really, but if I wrote a beautiful piece and played that and sung that, and it was just the most beautiful thing you had ever heard before in your life, and everyone just stood in applause, and it was just it just hits you there. Is everybody going to come after that song is over and go up to the guitar and say, you really wrote a beautiful song. That was wonderful. The, the way you played that, and I'm over here just like, I wrote the song and played it. Okay? So faith is just the instrument that God uses. Okay? God is the author. God is the finisher. God is the perfecter. We put a little mustard seed on there onto his finished work. So our faith is only the instrument. So over time, the gospel of Christ and his word, uh, ha, you know, has been more revealed to me as I've grown. That's a young age to be, to be saved. And I've wrestled with this all throughout my Christian life. Like, when did the Lord save me? Why am I struggling like this? You know, maybe I'm not saved. I've, I've talked to Pastor Vince about it. We've went back and forth. I do believe it's when the Lord saved me. Because uh, God responds to childlike faith, amen? That's actually how we're called to believe is like a little child. 
One of the most precious things in the world is the faith of a little child. If you have kids or you've been around kids, they just, they just trust, even when they shouldn't trust. It's like, bro, you, you should definitely be more aware right now. It's like, bro, he's three, okay? Um, so my, under, my understanding of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has changed. It's grown. Uh, and, and I would say that one of our struggles here being in the West is that we, we have made our gospel message very man-centered. I think we're, we're prone to that because uh, we're just full of pride. I mean, well, let's just be honest. We're, we're, just, full of, we're just full of pride. Uh, it, so it's, it's, it's as if we present the gospel as four things God wants you to know, even though those things might be true. But we're presented as, well, these are four things God wants you to know. Uh, and if you intellectually agree with that, you say a prayer and you're saved. You, you go on your way. Okay? That's tripped up a lot of people because they don't find the power in it. There's no power in that. Say, well, I, I did that. I believe, you know, f- even if you're witnessing to somebody, well, I believe, I believe what you're telling me, friend. Uh, I, I don't really know what all the big deal is about. I don't feel anything. There's no power from that. It's just an intellectual thing, okay? And this is how I used to believe, okay? This is how I used to believe. Uh, but the gospel is not just an academic exercise, my dear friends. Uh, when the Bible talks about belief, action always follows. So if you believe something, your heart, your mind will agree. Even your body will move in that direction of your belief. So it's not just an agreement with the truth, but it's a belief that leads to life and grace, to see with a renewed mind and to love Christ and to savor him above all things. So what I'm trying to say, mere knowledge doesn't do that. Only the power of God does that, okay? It's the same thing if, as if you would believe in a parachute to save you if you're jumping out of a plane. You'll simply... What? You put it on, right? What's the difference there? You trust it. You trust that parachute. You're not looking at it and say, I agree that this parachute is sitting right here. It would save me if I put it on. No, there's a trust aspect to it. There's an emotional response that's needed if it's true belief. You put it on. You don't just stay in the clothes you wore on the plane if this is what you're doing, but you put on the parachute if you're going to jump out of it that is on the plane for you to use. Okay? And the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will put, he said, what is God going to, what does that mean? Well, in the gospel, God will put on his perfect robes of righteousness on you. God wants to give you new clothes. All right? Which is his perfect life. And it's yours. That's a part of the gospel is Jesus' perfect life that he lived for us. That's not just, it's an important piece because that's not, it does not mean anything. It means that that life is yours now by faith in Christ. And that's how God sees you. You might say, well, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you, how do you put on Christ? I don't, I don't get that, man. Well, I would say you give him all your trust. You give him all your faith. You give him all your desires. You give him all your pain. You give him all your struggle. You give him all your doubt. And you give him all that you are for all that he is. That's what that looks like. You just lay it down. You lay it down and say, it is yours. There is nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. And that's what it looks like. Now, how does this tie in with my testimony? Well, I mentioned I was saved at a young age. Uh, The Lord gave me grace to want to know his word deeper, uh, just to be a part of what God was doing, where I was at at that young age. I was involved in church gatherings. I was involved in youth groups. And... uh, Believe it or not, we used to go, 
I don't even know if anyone's allowed to do this anymore. We, were, we used to go uh, witnessing for Christ in the malls and in outdoor places and crazy. <laughs> um, but let me give you an example of what I thought the gospel was, okay? where I was at in my mind. So I remember being on the Eiffel Tower at Kings Island. Anybody been to Kings Island? Right, so you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm afraid of heights now as I get older. I don't know what I was thinking when I was younger, but it's very high up there. Right, Jordan? Um, so I, <laughs> I remember being on the Eiffel Tower at Kings Island when I was a teenager, okay, involved in youth group, passing out gospel booklets, talking with people about Jesus. Uh, one specific encounter I do remember. Uh, I remember saying something like this to somebody on the Eiffel Tower. I said, hey, you know, we're called to repent and believe on Jesus for salvation. He can forgive you and he can make you right with God. That's true, right? That's true, yeah. But here's where I went sideways. Okay? I said, it's also like this, though. Every time we sin, we become dead again and we need to be born again and saved every time we fall. We need to repent and ask God to save and he will. Okay? Anybody catch that? Did I share the gospel at all? No, I didn't. Very, very wrong there. Most everything I would say and tell others about myself was very man-centered, focused on the response, the behavior, and the work of man rather than the work of Christ. And that's what the enemy wants to lead us to, is to, get, is, is to, is to put it all on you. Because what happened to me was, when I, when I mentioned earlier of how I would get in these deep depression cycles, was, hey man, I, I can't live up to what God is calling me to, what I feel like I should do. I struggle in so many areas still. I'm 31 years old. Why am I struggling like this? Why? And we are prone to just put it all on ourselves, all on our shoulders. And we're prone. So that, that was where I was. I believe that every time we fell or every time we messed up, we would be non-born again. We would just lose it all. We had to just Keep towing that line. Keep towing that line. That's what I would share with people. So one, th- one thing I would say was I, I, I was uh, concerned about people knowing Christ, but the, the gospel that I had, there was no power in it because even I was like, man, I know this is the truth, but I, I feel like I can't do this. I'm calling other people to live like this. And we put it all on, on ourselves, but we're prone to drift off into this. But like I said, that is not where the power to live for Christ comes. The power comes from the mercies of God. That's where the power comes from. If you ever read Romans 12, where it says there's no one good, as Paul says in Romans. There's no one who, who seeks after God. There's, there's no one good. There's no one righteous. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, which means we can't save ourselves from the condemnation we deserve. But then comes in the mercies of God revealed in Christ. So if you ever read Romans, what Paul is trying to do the first several chapters is just to convince you of your need for God. That's what he's trying to do. He's just giving you argument after argument after argument about your need for God. And once Romans 12 hits, he says, therefore, by the mercies of God, live now. Okay? And that has helped me tremendously. So as I was saying that, uh, once you receive Christ, what I was telling this person, every time you receive Christ, uh, you sin and you die. It's up to you to keep it up. Best of luck to you. I think I'm doing it, so you can do it too, uh, even though I was very wrong in that. So uh, it is helpful to point out, like I said, I was generally wanting to share Christ, but 
I was wrong in that. That's why the gospel is so important to get that right understanding of it. And I'm thankful for this church that gives us the right understanding. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, so I work at a place called Chick-fil-A. Anybody been to Chick-fil-A before? Okay. So I had a revelation at Chick-fil-A the other day. Uh, and no, I don't believe it's the Lord's chicken. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but not long ago, I was working, and I've worked for Chick-fil-A for a few years now, and somebody pointed out to me, uh, they heard me say it. They heard me say ice cream, ice cream with a C, ice cream. And they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm giving this guest ice cream. Like, we don't have ice cream here. I said, what do you mean we don't have ice cream? You all have had ice cream at Chick-fil-A, right? Do you have the ice cream or milkshake? We have ice cream. They're like, bro, look at the box. Okay, I looked at the box, ice cream. He said, no, 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 I need you to really look at the box. They were right. We don't have ice cream. We have ice dream with a D. Okay. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> All right. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. All analogies break down. But this is the same line of thinking, is that in the American church, sometimes the gospel is just assumed. Okay. I assume we had ice cream until I really looked at it. Okay. And I feel like this happens in places a lot of the time is that you better stay on the line, stay in the line, then all of a sudden we're teaching moralistic Christianity. Taking, we take some of the good laws and morals of God and we take Christ out of it and we replace it with our work. Now the gospel, the work of Christ to save sinners has been buried in our pride when we do this. So dear friends, what I want to tell you is that we are saved by works, but they're not our works. They're his works. And here's where the tension comes. We are also kept by works, but not our works, okay? We have been called to walk in works that have been predestined for us, but they're not our works. They're, they're his works. They're his dreams. That, that is a part of the gospel cause that Christ's life becomes our life now. It's a great exchange that Christ came into the world to save sinners, to die in their place, to take their judgment, to bear our sin, to save us from death, and to give us life. This is a supernatural work to be saved. Unless one is born again, we can't even see the kingdom of God. This isn't about intellectual truth. This is about God coming into a heart and changing it and transforming it, opening the eyes and the heart and the affections to Jesus. And so we remember this is his story. There's implications there because he who begins a work will always finish it. And he wills me to work for his good pleasure. Even where my will is, his will is underneath there. Always. So the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has commented on Psalm 23. Uh, he said the position of Psalm 23 is worthy of notice. It follows the 22nd Psalm, the Psalm of the Cross. There are no green pastures, no still waters. But it's after we read, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, that we come to the Lord as my shepherd. Spurgeon said, we must by experience know the value of the blood shedding and see the sword awakened against the shepherd before we shall able to truly know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. As John says, in his gospel, if you remember, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The precious blood of Christ spilled out for the forgiveness of sins. So the Lord is my shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He protects them. He guides them. He loves them. And he also 
dies for them. That's what a good shepherd does. That's who the good shepherd is, is he lays down his life for the sheep. And his sheep know his voice, a stranger they won't follow. I'm saying if you have trusted in Christ alone for salvation and have turned from sin and yourself and you've put your faith in Christ, you are one of his sheep. And all the things, all the benefits that we see here are yours, that he is your shepherd. You're not in this alone. You don't have to walk alone. He is with you and he's not gonna leave you even when you want him to leave. Man, I thought even when I wanted him to leave, he would leave and he didn't. He just pursued me more because that's what a good shepherd does. And that's what God does. Jesus is the good shepherd. Now he is the only one that is truly good. Jesus even said in one of his gospels that there's no one good but God alone. That's why he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So this Psalm 23, this Psalm flowed from David's own communion and walk with the Lord. I think it's beautiful. What a beautiful life-giving song this is. Uh, You notice verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. So Christ is personal. He will meet you, he will meet you where you are. He'll care for you, he'll love you, he'll lead you, direct you as if you were the only one in the world. That's the beautiful part about our God. Though this gospel message is for the world, the Lord meets each of us where we are. He speaks to us in ways that nobody else could get through to us. But when the Lord speaks and we're his sheep, we listen because we know his voice. We know when it's the Lord. So my shepherd, this is, a, this is personal. My shepherd. I shall not want. So it's not that we don't need or want anything. Because we all have needs. We all have wants, right? But all of our joy, our wants, our needs are found in him. And as the good shepherd, I think this is important because I learned a lot from this. As the good shepherd, God doesn't just give us everything we want, but he gives us what we need. What do we need? We need him. What do I get when I get him? You get everything. You get everything. See, with Christ comes everything. Everything that's good, holy, righteous, peace that passes understanding. Anybody need more peace in their life? Crazy times we're in? Well, there's a peace of God that passes all of your mental understanding that Christ is offering here. So it's not that we don't want or need anything, but everything is found in him. We're prone to chase after things we want. I know I am. But some desires are things that will lead us away from God and will lead us into sin. That's just what it is. You might say, well, there are things I desire. I want them. I have dreams. I have vision and passion. It's just the way it is. It's the way God made me. But how many times do we chase for things just for the feeling of it? And a lot of times we don't know until we, after we found it and we realize we just chased it for the feeling. But to know that a lot, sometimes a lot of what we're drawn to, we're just, we just want to feel something. Not the end result of what that thing could bring. We just think about the now, the possibility, the pleasure of it. That's what Satan does. He blocks that from you. That's one of his schemes. He blocks anything you're being tempted to let, lead down to. He'll, he'll put the bait out with the pleasure, but he'll forget to tell you about what happens after that's done. And if we're not careful, we can be led to destruction, harm, pain, death. You might say, well, that seems like a very, very fine line to walk. Well, he's a good shepherd, right? If you are his, he will not lead you to destruction. 
But he will pull you out sometimes. Even if you do wander off, he'll pull you out. And yes, it will hurt sometimes, but it will save your life. He leads to life. Christ is life. How many times have I gotten myself in situations chasing after worthless things, worthless dreams that the Lord just says, no. I'm like, why are you against me, Lord? Like every, everything is just going wrong right now. Like why, when inside, it's not that I'm being faithful. It's that I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to do what I want and still have Christ. And he's saying, I love you too much to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. What does God make us do? Well, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is all about Jesus. So notice here on these verses, he makes, he leads, he restores, he leads, his namesake. All this comes from God. So what do we do? Well, we just be his sheep. We follow. We trust our good shepherd. That's what we do. The work's done. You see, he makes, he leads, he restores. It's all him. We just, we just be his sheep. Sheep can't be driven. They must be led by tender, tender, affectionate care and the love of the shepherd. That's what Jesus does. He leads us by his love. He leads us by his love. That's how Christ leads So these green pastures, this grass does not wither, it does not fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And as his sheep, we lay down in it. We feed on it. We live through it. God has given us the scriptures as food and his spirit as living water. So enjoyable, so sweet, fills us up with the truth of the gospel. Now, a lot of people may know of these green pastures, but only the sheep are made down to lie in them. We find our rest in knowing we need rest. And then we put our anxieties and burdens on Christ, and that is rest indeed. That's a blessing when you know you need rest. That's a blessing. It's not that you're weak. It's that the Lord's trying to show you something a lot of times. Because when we know we need rest, we're going we're gonna to go to him, because especially if you've been following the Lord for a long time, you know what gives you rest and what doesn't. I know now If I go over here, that's not going to give me rest. But when I feel anxious or I feel unrestful, that's actually, I thank the Lord for that because I can come to him and say, I'm going to lay this down and I can just feel that peace wash over me. Sheep won't lie down when they're hungry, nor will they drink from flat, fast flowing streams either. And our world is spinning in chaos. When that, when that, when the world continues to spin and it will, and chaos rises in our hearts We only need to let the shepherd lead. And he always leads to peace and to stillness. Rest in his spirit. Anybody just need rest and stillness? Man, I need that. Just just a second, just to stop the world. And Satan wants to tell us, well, here's a way to stop the world. There's some things over here that I can offer you that that will just numb you, will stop you, will give you some placebos, it'll be just fine. That's not what God has for us. The Lord has real life, real pastures, real water. Stuff that doesn't leave us living in shame and, and wanting more and more and never satisfied. What we're reading here satisfies. Stillness and rest. Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Man, how many times have I rejoiced over this line? That he restores my soul. First John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. Book of Acts, repent therefore, turn again that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He restores my soul. The Lord always has an ear for you. You don't need to bury it. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to try to numb it. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shadow of death, this valley of deep darkness. Though I walk through the darkest valley, and even deep darkness may be a better translation of the Hebrew. When you're, though death is attached to that, I think that's that's why it's in there, but when you're in your darkest valley, pain, loss, doubt, worry, fear, death of those around you, remember that the shepherd is with you. He is with you. Now, we're not talking about here, this isn't talking about the sheep wandered off and the shepherd is in the darkness trying to search for them and bring them back to where they left at the pasture. I think that would miss the point. I think what we're getting at here is the shepherd is still leading when you're walking through the valley. He's leading you to a better place and we will fear no evil because he is with us. He is with us. There's a verse in Romans that says this, I think captures this beautiful Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is with you, church. He is with you in the valley. He is with you when you're feeling lost. He's with you when you're feeling pain. He is with you when your world is spinning. And he's not just with you, he's leading you. He has not left you. And he's leading you through the valley. He's leading you past all this. Even though we're in the valley, man, joy comes in the morning. Joy always comes in the morning when the Lord is leading. But may we trust him in that. We see here in Psalm 23, we mentioned the, it mentions the rod and the staff. So the rod was a sturdy wooden stick used as a weapon to fight off uh, wild animals. You might have hoped to get a good meal that day, uh, but the shepherd has his rod and he can defend him. The staff was a long, slender stick, kind of a, a hooked at the tip, used primarily to, to direct the flock. Okay? Sheep are notorious wanderers. Okay? And once away from the shepherd's watchful eye, they do get into all sorts of trouble. Now the shepherd used, uses his staff to keep his sheep out of danger and close to himself. Now, if a sheep became trapped in a position, the shepherd would take that loop and he would, you know, the little, little curve on the end, and he would just put it around the, around the neck and just yank him back. Okay. I have had that happen to me a lot of times. Okay. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you got questions. What are you doing, Lord? This hurts. Sorry, you must not be for me. And he's like, just settle down. I'm going to just, 
Yankee out of here real quick. And thank God for that, though, because we are, we, are, we are prone to wonder, and we are prone uh, to, to just be foolish, uh, but the Lord is a good shepherd, and he retrieves us back to himself, brings us back to safety. Uh, and one of the things I wrote down here was we must not despise the Lord's tools that he uses for our good. We must not despise us. Yes, it does jostle us at times when there's a staff around our neck, and we say, well, what are you doing, Lord? And, but we know the Lord is doing the best thing for us. Because it's already been made clear that the, the good shepherd has laid down his life for you. Don't you want to trust someone that will lay down their life for you? And the perfect God died for you, that you might know him and walk with him. So I'm thankful for the Lord's staff that he rescues me from my foolish dreams and my sinful wants. So as we close... Uh, I had a question uh, on here that I wrote down, and I think we're going to end it like this, is, so where, where is all this going? Okay, we see that this is all for his namesake. We see that we're going through the valley of darkness that he's leading. What's on the other side? Okay, what do we, what is that? Where does all this end? We read these last verses. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as we've said, the Lord is with us. He has given us his spirit. He will never leave us. So let's see where this all ends. There's no better way I wanted to end it. Uh, Y'all can turn here if you want. It's Revelation 7. I'm going to turn there too. I I just think it's a great way to end it. Uh, Like I said, we could, I had about 20 other pages of notes, but uh, I had to trim it down, so. Maybe we'll do a series on Psalm 23 one day. I don't know. But. So Revelation 7, we'll start at verse 9. So this is where it's all going, friends, if you're his sheep and he's your shepherd. This is where it's all going. There's a purpose. There's a purpose to your valley. There's a purpose to your pain. There is a purpose to your darkness. Here it is. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes from where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Here it is, friends. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. May we know our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us, 
that we may live through him. May we say by faith with all joy and praise that the Lord is my shepherd. Let's pray, church. Father, we come before you in the great name of Jesus. Thank you so much for this time. These are old truths, God, but you give it to us in a fresh way. We thank you for that. We thank you that we can trust you, that you're going to lead us, that you're going to guide us, that you are for us. Because of Christ, you're not against us, but you've freely given us your son. Will you not freely just give us everything, God? Will you please give us the grace to follow you, God? We're so prone to be distracted. We're so prone to wander. We're so prone to look to the left, to the right. We center our hearts. We center our lives. We center our affections, Father. Center our emotions. Everything, God, that it may be centered on you, Lord Jesus, that we may get a fresh revelation of your cross, that we may know this truth better than ever before, Lord, that you came to save us, to restore us, to heal us, to deliver us, God. You are a deliverer. You're our healer. You're our champion. And you have won the battle. You have defeated death. I pray that you would just give us strength to go about our day, to go about our life, God, that we would not forget that you are our shepherd and we shall not want. We thank you for this time. It's in the great name of your son we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.